we always want people to be a person first before their diagnosis. Like we don't go like that's diabetes person or that's heart problem person. Like, you know, they're, they're a person who has Down syndrome. And so they're not their diagnosis. What's up listeners. My name is Ken Weatherford. Welcome to laugh at the darkness a podcast full of stories of goodness, light, laughter, and love, brought to you by BeerAndHymns.com. Each month we'll highlight the work of a different charity, try out a new drink, and hear some stories of people doing cool things to make the world a little bit better. So I invite you to kick back and relax with your favorite beverage, or simply go for a walk as we laugh at the darkness together. Hey, dear listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in with us this week. I just wanted to say that we apologize for some of the recording issues that we had. This was our first attempt recording via Zoom, and it didn't go as well as we had hoped. So we'll make sure to try and address those issues in the coming episodes when it is necessary. Thanks again for your grace, and we hope you enjoy Laugh at the Darkness. Um, So... Down Syndrome Connection of Northwest Arkansas. Let's start there. Uh, and only because you're in my top right corner and let's see you're in the bottom. So I'm just starting in the order on my screen. Uh, t- tell us about yourself, who you are, and and why why does Down Syndrome Connection uh, have a meaning for you? Why, why is this something you care about? Yeah. Well, so I'm Danielle. Um, we moved here to Arkansas a little over five and a half years ago. And I reached out to the Down Syndrome Connection because my son was recently born. So when we moved here, he was three months old and he has Down Syndrome. And that was a surprise to us when he was born. And we Mm. hit some obstacles. We were in the hospital a little bit longer. But after like two months, we were able to meet with the group where we lived in Arizona. And this um, woman came out and she literally was an angel. She was just heaven sent. I needed so much to hear from this mom's perspective that it was okay to have all of these feelings we were having and all these questions. Mm. And it, it was such a lifeline. And I felt like we were doing pretty good. When people get a diagnosis, it can take a while to ride this emotional roller coaster of acceptance and trying to figure out what that means for you and for your kid and for your family. Mm. So she, she was pouring out love. She's devoted her life to working at this group that reaches out to other new families. But yet she's the one who admitted like, it's okay to feel sad and mad and angry with yourself and maybe you and your husband are on these different pages it just was such a needed hug and then we moved a month later so I was so sad that we had this little connection lifeline and then we moved so I have three little kids and my son who's five has down syndrome and seeing what they had from where we came from I just knew it was such a fun thing to be a part of. And actually when this woman left our house, I was like, Brand, I hope one day we're in a place where I can help do that. And I felt like we were in a pretty good place, but I just remember like loving this complete stranger as much as I love a very close friend. Cause I just needed to hear her words. And I just wanted to do that. And so after moving here, Bradley was still little and I just reached out cause I wanted to be a part and then um, was kind of able to help it grow. And so I want it for me. I want it for my son, but it is also, it's so neat to see it help other families because I've been in their shoes and I know what it's like. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay, how about you? So um, I'm Lindsay and um, I'm actually one of those really rare Bentonville native people. So I have lived here since I was three years old. 
Uh, my husband. I, I don't. I don't know that I can keep you on the podcast if you're actually from here. Like that's. <laughs> so yeah, my husband actually was born in Bentonville, so he's like a real, real native. So um, yeah, so I, I grew up in Bentonville back in the day when the population was like thirteen thousand. Uh, graduated from Bentonville High School. Um, met my my husband Howard at. Uh, we were both working at the Boys and Girls Club, fell in love, got married. We um, couldn't have biological children, so we pursued mm. the road of adoption. Um, we adopted our first son. Um, he's an infant, as an infant, through like a private adoption. So we did that and um, met his biological mom. She had a daughter, um, and when our son was two years old, she asked us to take her daughter as well. So we brought home an almost six-year-old. Um, so then, then we had two children and then, um, we, we adopted another child. So, um, our son, our oldest son, who was the last to join our family, um, actually what we, we were introduced to him through my daughter who met him at, um, the junior high. Uh, he was oh, in wow. foster care, living in a group home and said, Hey, I need a family. And my daughter said, well, great my mom will adopt you. And so long story short, we, we ended up with a third child. So, and, and our oldest child, um, he does have an intellectual disability. So he does not have Down syndrome, but he does have an intellectual disability. Um, some people aren't familiar with what that is, but it formerly was called mental retardation, which has been replaced in the diagnostic manual. Um, actually was only replaced in like 2014 um which is kind of surprising since it's such a derogatory term but um so yep that's our family we have three kiddos all right i got i gotta ask about your daughter i feel like <laughs> uh, because uh <laughs> wow i mean that is just uh, to to have that mentality within your own family at you said junior high age i believe uh, yeah. that she was <laughs> to say oh well my parents will adopt you like <laughs> yeah it was a little crazy I don't I when she called me and and it told me this I was like well it's not quite that easy but she was just really adamant about it and so I found out the name of the group home he was living in and I and I called them actually that day and um they probably thought I was crazy but they were like well first you have to become his support family or like a support you know you have to go through and we had to do background check and he told um my daughter and my youngest son that he had thought about it and he wanted to join our family so I mean from, from the fourth of July to that November we did you know, jump through all the millions of hurdles that you have to, to do to get our home open, to bring him into it. Um, and so he moved in that November. <laughs> That's awesome. Lindsay is our one and only employee, our first ever employee. Um, and you just get a glimpse of how, I mean, that sounds cheesy, but really how special she is because she just really can connect with parents, with the kids, with volunteers. She's just amazing. Like her heart is Old, and we've been so lucky it actually just perfectly worked out so our group has been around for like 14 years yeah I would say like 2002 maybe is when it was founded does that sound right well a question for me then is this is a nationwide thing or this is a this is purely local so you're saying founded 14 years ago here in northwest Arkansas right so right 
um, Jennifer McCorder, who is who's currently on our board, um, when her daughter uh, was born, I believe she was born in 2002, I think that's right, uh, was diagnosed with Down syndrome at, at birth. And, um, and she just, you know, thought, looked around and thought there's just no resources here. There's no support group mm. here for me. And so she, I think, along with another parent or two, actually founded the Down Syndrome Connection of Northwest Arkansas as a nonprofit um, organization to support people with Down syndrome and their families. You know, you realize pretty soon that the best support is by you, like, you know, seeing the faces, being able to talk, being able to see. And so little groups just kind of pop up really on their own. There's not like a big group that helps you. There are some national groups and you can get information from them, or you can partner with them to do buddy walks and stuff, but it's kind of just little groups pop up on their own as parents see the need. And so that's how our group started. It was just, I think, four or five parents that did some socials, got together, eventually wanted a little more information. So they would pay to bring a speaker in about whatever, you know, their kids were going through, mm-hmm. wise, potty training wise. And then it slowly has just grown and grown with some awesome volunteer. And so it was just, we had Lindsay for two years. Two years, it was two years in June, yeah, so. So it's been a big debate. I mean, I've only been part of the group for five, but I guess it's been a big debate for a long time of like, we should get an employee, but like, how does that work? How can we do it? Can we sustain it? There's so many nonprofits. Oh, we have enough parents to just keep going. So it's been a huge, huge like debate. And finally we were like, okay. So what, what has that done for, for your organization? I mean, you, you've existed for 14 years, but now you've only, you've had an employee for, for just two of those. What, what kind of shift has, has that given uh, the, the Down Syndrome connection here? Um, it's amazing. <laughs> so before Lindsay came, it was just the few of us parents who were doing everything. But you have the same few parents who are the ones setting it up, marketing it, getting there early to set up the chairs. And so it's the same handful of parents that are doing that. And we shoot for 12 times a year. And some of it were social, some of it was educational. And then we get Lindsay and it just blew up to, she developed an age specific programming. So she's got programming for like five to seven year olds, programming for eight to 12 year olds. And pre-COVID that meant getting together about once a month for each of those groups. And then the big family things. So we'd have age specific programming meeting once a month or once every other month. That's just tailored to those kids found awesome volunteers that would partner with us with youth age kids, which was awesome. And so she was really able to develop programming for specific age groups, like work on hygiene, work on job preparedness, work on cooking for yourself and easy recipes. Like how can we use a microwave to cook where it's safe? And so then on top of just the big educational things we tried to do, like a family trust, seminar and a potty training seminar, big milestones that people need. Now we have age-specific programming for the kids, still the educational things that hit those big topics, and then some social things at age groups and for all families so we can all get together a couple times a year. Now we'd have, I mean, we went from 10 events a year to 40. Or <laughs> I mean, my gosh, uh, I would even say in some ways, I mean, yeah, COVID has been awful, but I will say it it kind of launched us into this virtual space, which actually allowed us to meet more often. So oh, wow, I went yeah. from meeting with my adults and my teens, and I call our adult group our Club 321 group, and our teens group is our STARS group. 
And we kind of combined those groups meeting virtually and we're able to meet every week now, as opposed to, you know, like once a month in person. So we have an office in the Center for Nonprofits in Rogers, which is a, a wonderful facility and have great meeting space. And it's, um, you know, free to use for those that have offices in the building. And we did a lot of programs there, but it's not necessarily the most convenient location. Like if you live in Fayetteville or Silent Springs, or in some ways, I think that, that the virtual thing has kind of been a blessing for us in some ways. And I, totally foresee in the future as we hopefully can meet in person again, that we'll do a blended approach that yeah. we'll continue doing virtual and doing in person. That's, I mean, you know, you, you were saying uh, that, you know, Lindsay started uh, and, and let me get you all to make sure I got to make sure I don't know that I actually said your last names. Oh, so I want to make sure that I got that <laughs> Right. Uh, so we've got Lindsay Dover, who is uh, the first ever employee for the uh, Northwest Arkansas, uh, or excuse me, the Down Syndrome Connection of Northwest Arkansas. I always want to reverse that every, I, I kept. I would just uh, call it DSC, so. DSC. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that, hey, that's, that's my, that's that's my nice shorthand for Down Syndrome Connection of Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> See, that's, I had to revert to that for uh, this past month's charity. Uh, they, they go by task. <laughs> most of the time, but I kept trying to say the full thing. And every time I would, it would be, uh, I would always use the wrong C word and call it, I don't know, connection or so. I don't know. And it was never the right thing anyway. Um, and we're also joined by Danielle. You're going to have to say your last name for me now. Peasley. Okay. I, it, it's as simple as it looks. And, and I, I was overcomplicating it in my head. Uh, Lindsay Dover got started with the organization just around two years ago. Uh, it's exciting to me both on the level that it's uh, your your son, your adopted son, uh, is uh, not with Down syndrome. And so it extends beyond simply uh, that one uh, group, uh, that one subset, but uh, it's open to more than just that. You're serving a, a even broader section of our community through this uh, organization. But having started two years ago, God, that's right before COVID. Right? It kind of is. Yeah, I know. It was a little uh, crazy. So, so, yeah, I mean, how, how was that transition for you, Lindsay? When COVID, I remember it was, it was about March, I want to say it was like March 7th, maybe, of 2020. Yep. And uh, I had a, like a, we have a group called PALS. They're like a seven to 11 year old group. And we had done like a superhero program and we learned about safety and I had the fire, uh, Springdale Fire Department come. And like, so, and one of, uh, so cool, um, just throw this in there. So one of our adults, his name is Justin Tate. He is actually a volunteer firefighter um, in, I think it's Farmington. He has Down syndrome mm -hmm. and he came mm -hmm. and he had on his fire suit and all this stuff, showed the kids. And um, so we decided to go ahead and have that particular program. And then after that, it just kind of went down. Everything got canceled. Yeah. Um, and we were like, how do we move forward? And I guess at the time I was thinking, oh, this will be a couple of months, like, you know, like this will be quick. And so we kind of just pivoted and decided, okay, well, we'll do some, some virtual things. Um, and I just had to like, think about, okay, what could we do virtually? And I think we started with things like story time and Disney sing along and, from there, it just kind of evolved because that was kind of geared, tried to, to catch everyone um, right, of all ages. Right. But then we really just kind of, uh, you know, I kind of pivoted to 
more age group specific things. So I, I came up with this idea again. I, I mean, I kind of thought, oh, well, this will be a couple of weeks, month, two months. So we'll just kind of plan a few things. Like that, we all did, right? Yeah. <laughs> to everyone. And then I realized <laughs> that we were going to be doing this for the longer term. So I, you know, that's when I decided, okay, let's do some specific things. And, and typically I get the most participation out of my teens and my adults. I, you know, said, okay, well, let's break this out and focus on our groups. We can, we can do our age specific programming virtually. So. Right, 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 right. And we even, it was a big year for us because we have started um, a medical outreach program where we try and contact the local hospitals and get there and do a little training and Q&A with the people who deal with families as they deliver a diagnosis, how that could go a little better and what it is from the parent's perspective and how we, our organization would love to help them. And we did our very first um, hospital training the weekend before everything shut down. We had oh, man, yeah. first hospital training and our first local Down syndrome conference. It was so sad, but I have to say, Lindsay has done such a good job. We have a pretty good mom's group and they try to get together once a month. And, you know, obviously in the past that would have been in person. And we did a couple of virtual mom's things. And then we kind of came up with this idea like, hey, let's go meet out in a parking lot. And everybody bring a mm-hmm. chair. We'll sit kind of socially distanced. And so we're like in person, but we're being safe. And that's kind of been fun, I think. But, you know, those those mom's nights in parking lots, um, I think have been beneficial for a lot of moms who may be stuck at home all day long with kids. And, you know, it's it's exhausting. I don't know how Danielle does what Danielle does, but she's... It, She's a superhero, I think. I, I say one of our one of our goals is really that anytime a baby is born and diagnosed with Down syndrome, and, and there are prenatal diagnoses as well, but you know, we've got maybe five major hospitals in Northwest Arkansas that deliver babies, and we want we want them to pick up the phone and call us. And mm, that was kind mm. of a goal for us because then we, you know, we're here to help you um and, and to come in and, and visit with the parent, bring them a new parent basket. Uh, walk alongside them and you know we are getting more phone calls we are getting the hospitals are calling us and you know I mean we I know we still have a ways to go but you know I think just this year Danielle are we at 13 babies this year that's unbelievable so I have been working with the new parents for a couple of years and even three years ago I used we used to finally get referred people when they babies were six months to even a year old. Like I, I mostly met with people who had already had a six month old. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. They're already in the out. middle of it. Yeah. They didn't reach out. They didn't know about us. And usually we find out about them because a friend of a friend knows another parent in the group. And they're like, Oh, well, have you connected to Dance and Connection? And this year, most of the calls we've gotten have been prenatal or in the first first or second week that these babies are born, which is just a game changer, I think, for the family. No, it's like that's brilliant. Like if you're if you're able to get support that early, I mean, my God, I needed that. We we needed that support. My wife and I needed that support, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, from that early on. Uh, and I, and I can only imagine the extra layers of support that would be needed for for any child that has a special need of this nature. Yeah. It might take a while before you're like happy to join the club. Most people are really reluctant. You know, they're just not quite ready to jump in. That's not quite where they want to be. They're glad we reached out, but everyone comes to a point where they're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, why didn't Mm. I 
I, I mean, I'm just thoroughly impressed too that it's not just it, it's it's emotional support for the parents, it's educational support for the parents, it's simultaneously that for the kids. It's uh, it, you're you're hitting across a, a large swath of generation and everything else. And I wish in so many ways that that uh, many uh, groups would understand that 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 when we're working with an individual, you're working not just with that individual, but but every individual that that person touches, right? Uh, right. Especially within at least a family unit uh, uh, or, or their, their support system. And, and so each of those people uh, need all those layers of support uh, to, for it to come together, for it to work together. And I, I am thoroughly impressed that uh, you're, you're doing this with, well, have been doing this for 14 years, but now for two with a, a part-time employee, right? <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there's a ton happening here. That's amazing. You got to have a, obviously a lot of great volunteers, a wonderful board, all of those things that every nonprofit is, uh, is, is after. Um, but I, I am, I am thoroughly impressed with just the amount that I'm hearing y'all are able to do, uh, and accomplish. Um, um, you know, even 30 years ago, it was very, commonplace for once there was a baby born with Down system from the hospital to even ask if you want the state to take over. Yeah, to Danielle's point, I mean, so much has changed in 30 years. I mean, oh the, the life wow. expectancy of an individual with Down syndrome has increased from like the age of 25 to the age of 65 um, because more people understand down syndrome they understand that early intervention makes a huge difference for that person's life um and that they are viable vibrant people who are especially important in their families and their communities and um yeah it's just such a mindset change in in our, our world our community and i think I mean, we're obviously still have a lot of communication out there, a lot of education, um, and we want to be in the medical community, educating them about this, because I, there are people out there who are in the medical community who, who maybe don't know all of this stuff, because, you know, they went to medical school, they're a doctor, and maybe that was a one page in a, in a medical book, and that's not their field of study, and maybe they knew somebody growing up in 1960 that had Down syndrome, and that's their only perception. And so right. they may communicate to a family may not be accurate. Um, and so we want to educate them so that they are there to provide accurate information and support. Um, and we want it to be a positive thing and, and a congratulations. And, you know, yeah, you're going to have all these fears and, and, and it's scary, but, you know, we, we want the medical community to be able to come alongside you and not add to that fear um just with misinformation because they they haven't been as educated in that area the, the amount of change that we've seen and in, in, in so many of these types of spaces but uh, i'm very aware of it within my own family um in 1951 uh and this is long before my time uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh but um, uh, my um my dad had a cousin uh born same year as he was mary olivia and uh and in that time, you know, it wouldn't have been common for families to keep a child with Down syndrome. Right. Uh, and but they they fought hard to make sure that they could. 
and did everything they could to build uh, the structures and everything they could around her, uh, ended up founding an organization that uh, provided jobs. This is back in uh, the Memphis area, uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, but yeah, just in, in, in her lifespan, uh, how much things changed. Uh, and, and, you know, she lived into her 60s, but that was not the common place, but it is coming more and more common every single day. And that's uh, because of the work of, of folks like you and, and, and what you're doing to, to raise the awareness, to educate, to uh, lift up. Uh, it's just such you, you have such a passion for for uh, this organization and it, and it is just pouring off of you. This is not what I planned at this moment in my epic football career as like right. a six foot, aka five eleven and a half, because I never, I never really made six foot. I'm just, I'm just gonna put it out there. If you're it's looking now. for sympathy, you're talking to the I, wrong person. I'm, I'm just saying that didn't cross my mind as I said that right away. Uh, and I hate when I, I still go to the doctor's office. They're like five eleven and three quarters, and I'm like, seriously, like at this point, like I'm thirty eight. Just give me the six foot. Just, give, me, just <laughs> give it to me. Who's just gonna know? Me. Like it's not gonna matter. Like I'm not gonna be on a gurney or something. They're gonna go, is he six foot? Right. You know, like that doesn't happen. Like I, I need, and they won't give it to me. I'm still five eleven. I was watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy the other day, oh, uh, which Throwback. has become just yeah, I, yeah, and it's I'm it's like a soap opera now. One. It's like a soap opera now. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Let's and move it, it to daytime TV, and we'll call it. I feel like that's why Casey and I originally stopped <laughs> watching it. Yeah, but I, I realized, oh wow, it's still on. I I like having something mindless. Yep. Uh, on in the background uh, a lot of times in my life. And, and so I, I've been doing that. And there was an episode with this guy who went to, uh, you know, some other country or something like yeah. that to get his legs lengthened. Oh, interesting. Uh, and he was 5'3". Oh, okay. And trying to get two inches. Yes. Which would put him at 5'5", five five, which is my height. Your height. And I, and I was just going... Dude, <laughs> that's not if the you're arrival point. Do it, if you're like, gonna let's, go for it, let's let's sail for this one, right? This isn't the right thing. I'd like to be six four. I'd like to be six four. You know, and that's what I, like that's I, what I I'm got. always lying. Like, oh yeah, I'm five six. I'm not five six. <laughs> no, you I am nowhere it. close to five six. I had a magazine that I read in high school, right? And it was like a football prospects, college, whatever game day mm. magazine. And they had a linebacker in there that was six four, two twenty five, right. and just jacked. And yep. I was like, that's it. I know God has called me to be 6'4", 225. Like, I, I know. Like, I mean, in my soul, I was like, I'm going to be 6'4", 225. I was like a freshman in high school, sophomore coming up in the foot. I was like, that's it. I'm going for it, right? And, uh, yeah, I got to 240 and 5'11", uh, which is kind of, that's, <laughs> not, that's not, not what you're looking for. No, not yeah, what you're, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not where I needed to be. Um, yep. But, hey, you said that you kind of have stuff on in the background. Like while you're working, doing something, there's something that plays on the background. Yeah, if, I, if I'm doing like, I'll I'll do that when I'm working on slides or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, like kind of mindless. It's white activity. noise, right? Yeah, it's it's white noise, uh, and just I don't know, just something I've done for a very long time. I started watching uh, Friends, oh, the, great. the TV show. Oh yeah, great. Uh, back in college, I owned the DVD box set, all ten I, seasons, oh, yes. and the bloopers. Yes. Oh, oh yes. gosh. It's yeah, great. yeah. Yeah. Uh, though I, I got a story there too, but um, this might be getting so far off topic that Gloria's just going to be like, "What the hell am I doing with this interview?" When you guys centering in, yes. can you focus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're talking to two people who can just go for like two hours. Yes, like, we could. <laughs> yes, we could. I still listen to a TV show um, in my ears. Uh, ugh, sitting here drinking some beer together with <laughs> with Joe, and, uh, yeah, and you I, now I got the burps. Now. So um, we're uh, I I am drinking a a hazy IPA. 
Oh, where is mine from, man? Mine's Bo Echo. Yours Bo Echo. Yep. Mine is from Lost Forty, and That's I can't right. tell you what the name is, but it's a it's a hazy IPA. Yeah, we as decided well, on hazy so. today. I love a hazy IPA. Oh, we, I started out from the Hefeweizen range. That's that's where I fell in love with beer in Germany. Hefeweizen, really? Hefe, Hefeweizen yeah, yeah, in yeah, Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I learned it because I bought all the glasses in Germany when I went to all the different breweries when right, we went right. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have a distinct glass for every single, for every kind of beer, every right, kind of right. beer, and yeah, they yeah. give it to you in the brewery or wherever you're at. If you're out at a bar, they will give you the glass of beer in the glass. From the actual from place the that's brewing yeah, the beer, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I was like, this common. is incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I learned in German how to say, "Can I buy this glass?" Right? <laughs> Can you shabba this glass kaufen? Right? And they'd be like, "Oh," and because I said it so randomly and with my whole persona of American, they were like, "You can just have it. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's, you know, yours, it's, it's yours. It's fine. Just take yeah. it." He wants to buy the glass. I don't know. We got seventy. <laughs> Weirdo. Yeah, I know, right? What's going on? Yeah. Um, beer and hymns, the neighborhood church. Like, Absolutely. Y- you know. I, I, I get pushback from people on, uh, you know, why why do you let churches come in and sponsor, mm-hmm. one. Uh, I also get pushback from the opposite end. Why, why are you letting <laughs> uh, companies come in yeah, and sponsor and be a part of Beer and Hymns? And, and, and the pushback I get from the church typically is, you know, like, you, why aren't you being more evangelical? Why aren't you uh, leading with a, a, a bigger or, or stronger message of the church? And we've made a very deliberate decision yeah. To not, right? Uh, we've made a very deliberate decision to, to not even work with charities that that lead out with that type of mission. Mm-hmm. We want to be about the community and for the community. So yeah. why is that something that that hits home for for you? Why is that something that hits home uh, for for the neighborhood church? You know, it's it's interesting because um, having heard of beer and hymns and experienced beer and hymns and get to become a great friend with you. Um, we started the church with the vision that we would always be out there serving the community, right? I came not to be served, but to serve, right? That, that mm. message that's out there. And uh, that serving aspect is how we saw that a lot of people came to have a greater relationship with Jesus Christ, but not a corporate one to the church, but a personal one, right? And what was it through? Oh, it was through packing meals, right? It was through going out and being with the children at the children's shelter. It was going out and serving other people in many different ways. And I saw families uniting over it. And right. I saw all these different realities coming. I was like, wow. Like these opportunities that are out there that are created outside of the church, like are creating people that have deeper, more meaningful relationships with each other. Right. And then also they have a touch at some point. Right. So a deeper relationship with God, hopefully. Right. And so it's out there. And what I realized that beer and hymns is doing is you guys are an extension of the church. That is an incredible reality for what the church should truly be. If I can say that as pastor, right? Like pastor of the neighborhood church. We'll, we'll let you get away with yes. it as, as, as a pastor on the podcast. As a pastor right? on right. the podcast, yeah. right? <laughs> what if the church could become a place where people could gather, right? And see that the work that we do and how we serve the community is the most impactful relationship we can have to each other and to God, right? But we don't have to name it that way. Right. We know that that's the work of what is happening. And so when we see Baron Hymns out there and we see you guys and honestly, when our people from our church go out every Sunday, you guys are out. We go out there. Right. We're sitting out there. We've got a table of 20 people. Right. It's life groups. It's whoever it, it, we broadcast. And it's great. That's on Sunday morning. Awesome. Right. Things are happening. Sunday night comes around. People show up and I kid you not. They're singing. They're joyful. They're finding a relationship with one another. And I'm like, oh is that different God. than Sunday morning? I, I don't. What, are you saying there's a contrast there? Uh, uh, so let's just talk about Sunday <laughs> night. I mean, if we could talk about Sunday night. <laughs> it, but, I mean, there's an incredible reality yeah. 
of what happens that the church doesn't have to be tied to Sunday morning. The oh. church doesn't have to be tied to church in name. The church is tied to a wonderful reality that people can gather for the sake of serving one another, learning about each other, and supporting one another. And the fact that Beer and Hymns goes out and says, hey, we're going to reach out and bring in these other nonprofits and educate people and surround these nonprofits with relationship. And what you're doing is you're asking people, hey, where, where, where's your heart pulled? Like, yeah. where is your heart strained saying, I, I need to serve in this way? And you're inviting conversation about that. That, for me, for the sake of anything, is what the future of the church should be. And I say a praise Jesus moment that it's not on Sunday morning. Um, I don't think the church should. I think we did a disservice to the community by tying church only to Sunday morning. Like, there's an incredible way to be gathered with people at all times and find that relationship together. I mean, I think we did a great disservice by tying church to a building. Oh, gosh, say that. You know, but like... (laughs) Oh, man. It's it's true, though, right? Yeah, you know, we we continue to, to, to worry about a physical location, and I'm just going... But church has never been in the building. We've mm. always said that, you yep. know. Uh, you know what, what? What's the oh the little hand thing that that you're 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 taught of doing? You know, here's the church. Oh, here's the steeple. Here's the steeple. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Open the door. There's all the people. Why? Why are they in there? Yeah. <laughs> why are they in there? How They're supposed ser- to be going out. <laughs> I'm just imagining you as a kid. And loving the world, right? Like, I'm imagining you as a kid doing the hand motions for the steeple <laughs> and then raising up the people going, why are they in there? I don't know. <laughs> like just struggling with this for years. Um, but you're right. I mean, our hope at the neighborhood really is that what we say, hey, it's out there. It's not in here. It's beyond these walls. Right. And the church can't be that. Right. You need to go out and be that. And so when we see something like Beer and Hymns going out and being incredible in that way, um, that's something that we want to support, not for the sake of saying, hey, here, look at the neighborhood, but for the sake of saying, wow, look at the nonprofits that are raising up. Look at the people that are connecting between this. Right. Look at the the joyful singing that's coming about from this and the relationships that are being created. Um, that to me is the sake of what needs to be raised up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's doing an incredible job. And so, yeah, we're 100 percent in support um, and we continue to be. And yeah. And I don't know. I, I've told you this before. Before, but like when we raised it up in the church and said, "Hey, we've made a decision to support beer and hymns," right? Um, our congregation erupted. <laughs> like it was, it was this wonderful response where they erupted in applause, right? Because I think they understand that it needs to be outside of the church, right? Well, and it can't so be cool. the end all be yeah. all. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe, thanks so much for for sitting down with me, Absolutely. for sharing a drink with me again. Uh, I, I know we'll share many more in the future. Absolutely. But, uh, uh, it is always good to get to sit down and. Uh, chat yeah this is great cheers <laughs> so speaking of supportive then the you know what we're going to be getting together here in a couple of weeks uh october 17th uh this will this podcast should release before then uh and october 24th uh respectively tawny town winery uh that first one uh and uh, and bike rack brewing in bentonville um uh for that second date and you know raising some support what what are what what are these funds going to support obviously helping hopefully support uh lindsay's salary uh in some capacity <laughs> i'll say that since you're on here and <laughs> i know the importance of that but uh but you know these programs, how are these dollars uh, going to help support uh, the life of, of uh, this organization and, and parents and individuals like yourself, Danielle? 
we look at we look at Down syndrome innovations in Kansas City and we're like, wow, you have all these staff and you're offering all these things. You know, where where is our niche? Do you know how do we want to grow and, and what are the things that we we want to offer, we don't want to offer? Um, and you know, I I personally have a dream of of Danielle someday working working for Down Center Connection, not just being on the board and being in that in that role of, of new parent support and medical outreach, because she does have such a passion for it. And she's so great at it. Um, and so, you know, I see that as as a part of our growth strategy, obviously being able to continue offering, you know, programming for for people with Down syndrome and really, and, and I don't know if we touched on but you know that that programming is, you know, I try to make it fun, of course, but I'm really also trying to focus on um, some things that help with independent skills. Um, you know, just things that maybe we take for granted that are a little more difficult for people with a developmental disability, um, whether it's doing, you know, some sort of chores or cooking or shopping um, and, and just kind of a concept of money. And so like this last year, um, I came up with a badge program. And so it's kind of like, think about Girl Scouts, you, you get up, you get your patch or whatever. So we, we did a badge program, which is, which I actually print on stickers. So I design them and then imprint them on stickers and I mail them to people's house. We've done a lot of mailing and hand and hand deliveries this year. Um, but just kind of focusing on some of those things that um, got yeah. some feedback from parents like, oh, we need to learn about money. We need to learn about safety. Safety is important. You know, uh, online safety, stranger danger, like, you know, those are all super important things and in hygiene and eating healthy and um, doing things around your house um, you know, cleaning your bedroom. I mean, these are, so these are the things we focus on in programs and just kind of trying to build those independent skills uh, to help them be as independent as they possibly can be. Like to make our organization successful, we need the help we need, like, and it just helps to have us a person dedicated. This is her job and she can focus on it. We need Lindsay we need funds and we need awesome volunteers just to be able to make all these things happen. And then we've got these visions for what will happen in the future, but we just need the help. We are very careful about how we are using these funds because I think that it's so, so important. Like everybody who's willing to give us a dollar, whether that's a sweet kid who loves my son and does a lemonade stand and gives their whole proceeds to our group, like mm. to big companies willing to sponsor our event, like it all means so much and we need every single penny. And so I can just, we are very careful about how we spend that, the That is so very true. And I think Danielle has definitely rubbed off on me because anytime we're thinking about something we're going to do, I'm always thinking about, well, what resources do we already have? How can we turn this into something and not spend a lot of money, but just being able to be very good with the resources we've been provided um, to continue, but but still providing something great and fun and awesome um, that everyone loves. Anything else you want to add in? And when I talk to people about Down syndrome, you know, I want to point out, you know, people with Down syndrome, it is a visual disability. There are characteristics, there's facial characteristics right. that, that identify that, you know, this person has Down syndrome, but people with Down syndrome look way more like their families than they do each other. Like, like, you know, I, mm. and I show pictures and I do the presentation and I show, you know, my friends with Down syndrome next to the mom or dad and like, look how much they look alike. You know, that's, I think a misconception. Oh, they all look alike. Um, they all have their 
very own unique personalities. Um, they're, they're not the same. They may share some characteristics um, and some, some interest in love. Uh, you know, I would say probably 90% of all people I know that have Down syndrome love Disney. Uh, I don't know if that has to do with having Down syndrome, but, but, you know, but they're different. They're unique. They're their own people. Um, and so get to know them at, as an individual um, and not just someone who has Down syndrome. There's so much, there's so right. much more than their diagnosis. Right. And I think really educating people about first person language is super important to me. I think it's very common. Um, like even my parents, my parents' generation be like, oh, that that's a Downs person. Like they have Downs, Ooh. like we always want people to be a person first before their diagnosis. Like we don't go like that's diabetes person or that's heart problem person. Like, you know, they're, they're a person who has down syndrome. And so they're not their diagnosis. Um, and so it's really kind of from a first person language, it, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to call people downs people. Um, Amen. Yeah. yeah. So if we can just start eradicating that from our population, uh, that would be great. Um, and just having that first person language um, is super important. One thing I wanted to say, though, is that I think for most parents, I'm not speaking for everyone, but they would much rather have you ask than just assume. And I think kids are actually so much more accepting of differences than adults are if they're introduced young, if it's oh, just OK, like. I would much rather have somebody come up to me in a store and say, well, why does he look different? Or it's hard to understand him and be, maybe able to tell why then parents shush them and sneak them away because then that's what happens for the rest of their life where, oh, it's different. Let's not talk about it. But no, like, yep, it's hard to understand Bradley. Yep. Do you know what? That's because he's got a bunch of muscles in his face and he works differently. So it is hard to understand. I feel like that's huge as, as, as somebody that has kids and, and everything else that that you welcome uh, and and think that that's probably a more common thing for parents like yourself uh, that they would welcome that questioning that interaction rather than uh, yeah. you know being quiet or you know gosh for the the worst I'm sure you unfortunately probably see it far too often but people you know rushing away or oh no don't 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 look don't look don't you know uh, th those type things no it's okay to look and it's actually even more okay to to ask to to talk to to inquire and and get to yeah. know them as humans right you know right yeah. well it, you know it's funny yeah, sometimes you know i'll notice like let's say i'm out to lunch with liam and and i usually with his mom as well and liam's 25 and i've, I've had instances where you know waitress comes up to the table they see that liam has down syndrome they ask mom what liam wants to for to you know for lunch and right. and liam is quite capable of ordering for himself. So I think it's educating again. It's all about educating. Like people with Down syndrome have a voice. They're capable of, of speaking for themselves. Most parents I think are going to welcome that because I think people write this line of either babying yep. or mm -hmm. completely ignoring, like it's too hard. But like you then, then end up in this weird balance. But we're all more like than different. We all want to belong. We all want to learn. We all want to have fun we all have the things we love and the things we hate and that's everybody they're pretty awesome and special and I think they just I think people with down syndrome give you an opportunity to view the world in a different way many many more of us could uh, learn to see differently uh, to learn to see this world and uh, through a different lens and and see how much more we have in common with each other across every false barrier that we continue to put up in front of one another.
thank you all so much for your time today, for, for what you're doing. Uh, and I hope we can raise a bunch of money for you. Thank you all. This was, uh, this was awesome. Laugh of the Darkness is produced by BeerandHymns.com. Special thanks to Gloria Echevarria for all her behind-the-scenes work, from editing together this podcast, managing our social media, and always keeping me in line. You know I couldn't do it without you. Our podcast theme music is composed by folk singer, songwriter, and artist Kevin McCrell. You can check out more of his music and art at kevinmccrell.com. Other special thanks to Matt Nelson, our brilliant pianist and band leader. He has recorded all our podcast music. Big thanks to Lindsay Dover and Danielle Peasley with the Down Syndrome Connection of Northwest Arkansas for joining us on the podcast today and for all your amazing work and love and care in our community. And to Pastor Joe Lyles at the Neighborhood Church, you all three make this world a better place. And to all of our sponsors, Bike Rack Brewing Company, the CFO Network, Kind Creative Company, First National Bank of Northwest Arkansas, the Neighborhood Church, and First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. Special thanks to Dr. Donna Johnson and Neil Pumford and Jenna and Austin Evans for your endless support. We are so, so very, very grateful. And most importantly, a big shout out to each and every one of you, our listeners, for checking out Laugh at the Darkness. Do us a favor, like, subscribe, and follow the podcast wherever you listen. Leave us a review and share it with your friends. My name is Ken Weatherford. We'll be back next month with more stories to Laugh at the Darkness.